You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at HuskerCuzCast for all podcast updates and more. Gentlemen, I am back in Texas after a long weekend with you guys in Nebraska. Had a great time this past weekend. Uh, for those who don't know, we did a a live stream in person with the Generation Red podcast at Ken's house. That was a great time. Ken's studio is awesome. What did you guys think of uh, Ken's studio? He's put a lot of work into it, and you can tell. It was very nice. Like That was like professional I, w- I stuff wish there. I had the money to put, the, put that into my podcast room. Yeah. He, He's got on. a lot of money into it. Yeah. We, there are we, some radio studios that aren't as nice as that. That's true. Hi, Andy. I don't, I don't know. I've never been in a radio studio, I guess. You know, you see it on TV a lot, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so that was awesome. Friday night was awesome, hanging out with uh, Ken and Scott. Uh, but Saturday night at the Nebraska Brewing Company, we were in town for the nebraska the first annual nebraska podcast sports uh award show golly guys that was fun we walked away with an award for uh we like to argue and out of any award out there that one was pretty much tailor-made for us since uh, you guys way argue way too much what'd you guys think if you would ever say something that made sense we wouldn't have to argue well, I tell you what, full credit, well, outside of everybody that voted for us, the true credit needs to go to Scott Frost for providing all of those arguments for the last five years. As you two were the biggest defenders well, of Scott Frost you better for give five some, straight You better years. give some credit to Mike Riley, too, because there was a lot of arguments under him. Too. That's true. That's true. Tyler, I mean, I, I can remember a time when Tyler was yelling at us because we were too hard on Mike Riley. I can remember a time when you were yelling at me over Mike Riley. That was because I was like, you need to give him a chance, man. But anyway, we've had a lot of epic arguments on the podcast, especially after the podcast or during the week. Some major blow-ups, and I wouldn't change it for anything. I think I think everybody on this podcast has quit the podcast at least three times. Yeah, and you, and you fired somebody, too. So, I mean... <laughs> I never fired anybody. <laughs> you, you fired the first host of this show. I'm just kind of, like, trying to... Uh, just trying I to skate through. Did not fire him. <laughs> Poor Patrick. My goodness. He faced the wrath of Derek and gone. Well, anyway, that was a great weekend. Tyler, you're just shaking your head here. Yeah, I'm ready to get into the preview. You're just biting your lip because you don't want to be fired next from Derek. That's what <laughs> it is. All right. Yeah, so we know football is close. When we're doing the Nebraska season preview, we always do this the week before game week. We are ready. We are done with previews. Get ready to get into the game week here. So, Nebraska season preview. There's so much to get into. What a crazy off season it's been. Uh, I mean, it's been a while since we've had almost no clue on what to really expect. There's a lot of interesting debates or conversations to have here. So. Let's get into it. We're going to break down the position groups. We're going to do some superlatives. We got some uh, ceiling and floor for the records. 
discussions. And then we also have some uh, breakdowns on the results from uh, the results of our West Big Ten West preview last week. And then we'll give some uh, season predictions. So let's go ahead. Let's get into this. Quarterback. Quarterback, just, to, just like uh, what Tyler was saying at the Nebraska Podcast Awards show, Derek, you have some hot takes on Jeff Sims. So I'm going to turn this one over to you. So let's talk about quarterbacks. Well, I don't know if they're hot takes. I'm just in wait and see mode with him. The guy, the guy has done nothing to this point from what we've got to judge. Because all I have to judge him off of is what he's done at Georgia Tech, which wasn't good, and the spring game. And he was okay in the spring game, not great. I, I'm i just in wait-and-see mode with him. I'm, not, I'm just not on the bandwagon that everybody else is. I'm not reading on three and just thinking he's the next best thing like everybody else seems to think. I, he's got a strong arm. I've watched his highlights. He's... We talk about this with recruits all the time. You can watch highlights and make anybody look good. So I can sit here and get on YouTube and watch Jeff Sims highlights all day long, and he looks great. I mean, just looks awesome. But they don't show the bad plays. They don't show the the misreads and the bad throws. And I, it, I look, if he's got a lot of pressure on him, if this offensive line don't improve, I don't know that he's going to make better decisions. I don't know if that just automatically fixed everything. Just moving from school to school didn't fix everything. So is he on a comparable tier as the backups Chubba Purdy and Henrik Harburg? Or is he on no, a- he's above them. I mean, I still think he's a better quarterback than they are, yes. But I, I, don't, I don't know what to take out of him yet. Is he Adrian Martinez? I don't know. It depends on how you read that, really. <laughs> I mean, look, Adrian Martinez was a good quarterback. But he didn't win us a lot of games, made a lot of mistakes. Is that what we're getting out of Jeff Sims, or is he more of a, a Tommy Armstrong guy who can throw the ball pretty well, still made some mistakes, but could still win you some games? Uh, Tyler, your thoughts on the quarterback room? Well, yeah, I mean, I think at this point I probably – um, as low on the quarterback room heading into a season as I can remember. And, and again, I, I don't want to get a lot of hate, but I think Jeff Sims will be a very adequate quarterback. But one of the things that just, I guess, makes me a little nervous on him is I don't think you've seen a lot of improvement from him at his time at Georgia Tech. Um, so he, uh, in his career, uh, has 25 starts, which is a lot of experience coming to Lincoln, which is a good thing. He was an elite 11 quarterback out of high school, so a very good recruit that Georgia Tech pulled in. But if you look at his freshman campaign, he averaged 188 yards passing per game. Uh, He averaged his sophomore year 183, and his junior year, he averaged 159. So I know we've talked a lot about this podcast. His interceptions have gone down, like he started to get take care of the ball better. I have to wonder how much of that is because he started throwing less, and he wasn't as productive throwing the ball down the field. And because that's a really noticeable decline in per game stats at the passing element. So you really do have to wonder what you're going to get from him throwing the ball. We're going to talk about this wide receiver room, but I just, I think you have to really wonder what is he going to be able to deliver there? Okay. I am a little bit higher on Jeff Sims. I, I think I did see a little bit of improvement from his freshman year through his junior year at Georgia Tech. And mainly, it you know, it's in the touchdown to interception ratio. He was hurt his uh, 
junior year or his third yeah junior year i guess you can call it third year well he's been hurt the last two years yeah yeah, yeah. true but uh, so inju- injury also becomes a question with him sure yeah and and and, and, t- and i just want to talk a little bit on about tyler about him throwing less i mean he threw 25.7 guy, uh, times per game in 2020 23.5 in 2021 but he threw for almost 27 times a game in 2022 for 159 yards so he might have been okay, doing check so the yards went down but the attempts didn't go down well yeah but if you're throwing it to running backs and people running two yard routes i mean interceptions are I, it seems like they coached interceptions around him when you see that much of a yardage predict i, I get that the attempts I mean, may I, have gone up look but, i don't think that's what it was though because i mean it's not like his completion percentage went sky high so he's not just running little dump passes. Either that or he's not very good at throwing dump passes. So maybe he is more Adrian Martinez. Well, like. so you talked about completion percentage, Derek. Because his best year was in 2021 when he threw for 60%. Well, so the coach, Marcus Satterfield, came out today and said his goal is 65%. In his career, he has five games. So basically one out of every 20 games, he has thrown over 65%. And he hasn't sniffed 65% for a season. One out of every twenty. No, he's a fifty. Right there. I said one he's out of twenty percent oh, of games. I'm sorry. So yeah, he, he's per- a fifty. He's a fifty-seven and a half percent career per completion percentage guy. Like he did have a year where he was sixty point one percent. I mean, that's a long. Give me five percent better. That's that's a big gap. I mean, a 5% improvement is a lot. I mean, so w- when you talk about Jeff Sims, I think what you're excited for is his ability to run the ball. I think that, yeah. you know, he has the 4-4 speed. I think that's the athleticism. The flip side of that, though, that is also a downward trajectory for him in his career. In twenty, in his freshman year, he averaged four, 49.2 yards per game. His sophomore year, 46.5. His junior year, 41.1. So it's been dropping down to steadily every year. And injuries might be there, and obviously I'm not going to attest to have watched a lot of Georgia Tech. I just, you know, sometimes you get a guy who transfers, and I'll point to Adrian Martinez as his name got brought up, but his last year in Lincoln was every bit as good as any year you saw from him. And then he went to K-State. I kind of wonder if Jeff Sims is, hasn't seen the progressin, progressive in his career, and you're kind of wondering, where is he at on his arc? Is injury has been a bigger factor than we know? What is Marcus Satterfield going to be able to get out of him? I just, I just think it's a big question mark right now. So his best year running the ball was 49 yards per game his yeah, freshman yeah. year? And he had 40, almost just under 500 yards rushing, which is a good year. So and, just real quick, over or under 50 yards a game rushing that Jeff Sims will average this year? I, I would say probably Under?? Under? Yeah, I, I would probably go. Man, that's a good line. Um, it, it is, I, it, but I would probably go slightly under. Yeah, I mean, the, it's gonna be right around. I, I mean, I think he's gonna be. I'm gonna go under because he's never gone over 50 in his career. I mean, I think that's the first time he's gonna do it this year. I don't. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think the coaches can feel comfortable enough with the backups. You started off by asking how big a gap is there between him and the backups, and there is a gap there for sure. I think with Jeff Sims, you have a very average Big Ten quarterback. I think if you go down to those other two guys, I think you're in the bottom tier at Big Ten quarterback. So I I don't think the coaches want to drop that. So I don't see them running him 15 times a game. So, okay, so let's talk. Let's talk about generous. that because 
in his career, he's, uh, he averaged 12 uh, attempts per game in, tw- in 2020, 8.8 attempts per game in 2021, and 12.5 carries in 2022. So he's probably not going to be a 15-carry game guy, no. But for his career, he's averaging about 11, year- 11 carries a game. Over or under that? I think it's over. Slightly over. I think it's under. I, I might go with Justin. I think that's over. I, 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 so there's a combination. If you're, if you're, if so, you're counting in scrambles and everything yeah, else, I, I'll go over. Exactly. Designed runs, no, I, it's it's going to be less. But any time that uh, I think just pure carries. I'm, I'm between, figuring he's probably around the 12. I'm, I'm figuring he's probably about 12 yard or 12 carry a game guy. Yeah. Between scrambles and option and designed runs. Yeah. I like it. All right. So speaking of running the ball, let's move on to the running back room. Now, we heard this weekend that Gabe Irvin, he will be the starter. He's the clear-cut guy starting. Uh, Anthony Grant, he's battling some fumbling issues right now. Uh, Tyler, how shocked were you when you heard those words out of Matt Rule's mouth? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Gabe Irvin came on the scene in 2021. He started as a true freshman against Illinois I think we all expected him to play immediately from everything we heard under Frost and company, but I don't think any of us had him down as game one starter. I don't really quite remember that, but I feel like that was a little bit of a shock when you saw that. Um, and he's been injured. He's, he's had an injured play career at Nebraska. He's only played 12 games in his career. Um, in those 12 games, you haven't seen the uh, the most productive out of him. Uh, I mean, so he's averaged uh, 18 yards per game, which is not anything to write home about. Um, 3.8 yards a carry, and probably more concerning on the per carry stat, is 2.9 in Big Ten play. So he really hasn't lit the world on fire, but we've seen flashes of him. And I'll tell you what, he looks yoked. I mean, he yeah. looks like he is ready to play. You know what kind of system Matt Rule wants to run with a physical offense, and he looks the part. So the question to me with him is, can he stay healthy? And where does that go? I mean, how good can he be if he stays healthy? Because just we haven't seen it yet. We have not seen a great Gabe Irvin yet. Derek, your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are this is the healthiest he's looked. I mean, he he does look stacked. I mean, he's I I, I think he's going to stay healthy. Uh, I, I I wasn't overly shocked by him starting. Like, you know, when he started as a true freshman first game, that one shocked me more than this one. Because we've heard so much in the offseason about Gabe Irvin. We've heard so much. We've heard the staff talk about Gabe Irvin in the spring, in the fall. I, it doesn't shock me at all. What did shock me was that Anthony Grant was having problems with holding on to the ball. Because he ran the ball a lot last year, and I don't remember him hardly ever fumbling the ball. And so I don't know where he suddenly got this fumbleitis from, but it seems strange that he just picked this habit up all of a sudden. Yeah, it... it- it's shocking, yeah. Because I, I don't. Did he have one fumble in the spring game? Well, we had Almost four fumbles did, overall. Like. Was he one of them? <laughs> seemed like everybody did. He might have. I, I can't. Re- I can't recall. Yeah, I, I don't recall either. But uh, so, I mean, Derek, to your point, you know, we've heard a lot about Gabe Irvin. The coaches keep talking about him. When we were on the Gen Red podcast live stream, that question was brought up, and both. Uh, we both went with uh, Gabe Irvin as the starter based off of everything that the coaches have been saying. And Matt Roll kind of confirmed it on Saturday. 
which was interesting. But well, it was it was also nice hearing that Ramirez Johnson has a role. Yeah, finally, like, it was. But we've was heard actually, that before. <laughs> yeah, but this was, this time it was actually like defined what his role is. Sure, but the problem is he's a little bit banged up right now. And I mean, how he, long? He tweaked a hammy. He's out for a couple practices. He's not. Those hammy injuries, though. Hammies can linger. I, I get it. But the way Rule talked about it Saturday, it didn't sound like he was going to be out very long. So can I ask you guys? So Gabe Irvin, his most carries in a game is 12. Again, his very first game at Nebraska against Illinois was the most carries ever had in a game. So we, we know the situation with Anthony Grant. What do you see? I mean, do you see him being a lead dog, number one running back, or do you think this is going to be a little bit more of a by committee, at least another guy in the mix? I mean, you talked about Ramir Johnson. Seems like he has somewhat of a role in the third down, but how do you see that breaking? Well, I expect to see, uh, I expect them to give Gabe Irvin uh, priority to see if he can be that number one guy and handle that workload. See if he can carry it. He definitely has the body to carry that ball, you know, 15 to 20 times a game. Uh, maybe more. I don't know how much you want to do that. I think the st- the staff, they seem to be pretty big on uh, player safety and recovery and all that. So I don't know how much they really want to run their premier guy. But I think he's going to be given the full uh, range to be that number one guy. I agree with you, Justin. I, I- I think he's going to give, be given every chance to excel that he can. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if I disagree with you. I think especially out the gates, I could see it being higher. I just think that you can't sleep on what Anthony Grant did last year. He had 500 yards I, I don't yards think Anthony games. Grant's just not going to play. He's going to get his time. Well, the, he's I mean, going to get his carries. I mean, but. if you guys think – if you think that – you think Irvin's going to get the ball near 20 times a game and you think Sims is going to run it 12 and that you think Ramir Johnson, I mean – the the n- numbers kind of split out a little bit. I mean, I mean, it, it's a. I think we're gonna run the ball a lot. I mean, yeah, but we're so, not gonna run the ball sixty times a game. So I have a question here. So I Matt think we're gonna run thirty times a game. Matt Rule was talking about uh, Anthony Grant. That says with the fumble injuries, he goes if you or not fumble injuries with the fumble issue. If you're fumbling, we can't play you. So I'm curious to see if he feels the same way about a quarterback turning the ball over. So let's say Jeff Sims does go back into the turnover prone. Is he going to get the same treatment as Anthony Grant, or are they just going to battle through that? I, I just I just don't buy an Anthony Grant's not going to see the field. I think he's going to see the field. I think, Again, I think he's going to see the field, too. I, I think we're going to be a pretty run-heavy team. I will still throw the ball, but I think we'll be pretty run-heavy. I think it'll be so, in a reduced role, though, right, Tyler? I mean, maybe out the gates, but I, I just think my prediction on the running back room is I think that Anthony Grant's a better running back than Gabe Irvin, and maybe time will tell it'll be different. And I, I don't, I certainly think Gabe Irvin's going to have a bigger role. But I mean, Anthony Grant against with the same offensive line averaged three point six yards in Big Ten play. That is better than uh, that is better than Gabe Irvin. Like we've seen better version of but Anthony how, Grant. How many how many games has Gabe Irvin actually played in Big Ten games? Because he hasn't played in very many games. Period. I mean, I mean injuries have have plagued him for two years. He's had twelve games. I mean, I I, I don't know. 
I mean, so six? He's had six games in Big Ten play to Anthony Grant's nine? I mean, I yeah, it's more. I, I just, I think that it's going to be interesting. I think the, the, the wild card in that room is Emmett Johnson. And I, I, I mean, he is a former Mr. Football out of the state of Minnesota. It, it wouldn't put past me for Matt Rule, especially game one. This is where I think the season gets interesting. I wouldn't be shocked to see that Gabe Irvin, the number one guy, maybe the other three backs kind of all rotate in there. But I just think as the season evolves, Anthony Grant's role is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I guess a bold prediction out of this is I think by midpoint in the season, Gabe Irvin or Anthony Grant's are starting running back. I can see that. So overall, Tyler, do you like this running back room overall? Love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's a... It's the strength of this offense. I think you're four deep in guys. Um, I, I, I go back to that year that Minnesota just seemed like they couldn't get out of their way with injuries. Hopefully this doesn't happen to Lincoln, but I really do. I think you're four guys that are, you know, I don't want to say all conference worthy, but I think they're right on that cusp of guys that, hey, they're they're legit Big Ten starters, not just guys that play because they have to. I think they're really talented room. Same I think, I think we're three deep. I don't think we're going to see much of Emmett Johnson. I think Emmett Johnson is going to return kickoffs. I think he'll probably start there. I don't think you're going to see him on the offense much. Before we move off of uh, running backs, how prominent will the fullback be in this offense, Tyler? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think you're going to see it 10 to 15 snaps, um, not counting goal line packages where that could inflate that a little bit more. So I, I would say relatively prominent. I think that's going to be about 20% of our normal snaps. You're going to see one in there. Um, I think that personnel really kind of suits what we have at limitations at wide receiver. So I think whether it's a two tight end set or that fullback, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, two wide receiver personnel on Saturdays. Derek, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any numbers to put out there. But, yeah, I, you'll see it quite a bit. I They seem to be pretty uh, – they, they seem to really want, want to full back in. And I, it's not going to be for every play, but, I, yeah, I think it'll be pretty prominent. All right, tight ends. Derek, we're going to keep it with you. Uh, what do you think of this tight end room here? Well, it's it's a room <laughs> full of potential. <laughs> I don't know. Look, I, Eric Gilbert still hasn't gotten his waiver, so I don't know what we're going to get out of him. I I have a feeling this is going to turn into Noah Vedral in 2018, where we're not, he's not going to get his waiver till like game three. If he gets so, it, so I, I think he'll get it. I just think it'll be. I don't think the season will have already started because the NCAA is dragging their feet. And I think he'll get it, but it's going to be late. Uh, Thomas Fedoni, I mean, the guy's a stud. I mean, but he's got to put it on the on the field. There's no doubt the guy's an athlete. I mean, he's going to be fine. Nate Borkercher is as reliable as they come. And I, but beyond those, and then Jainer and Bonner, I. I'm a little confused on what his role is. I mean, uh, Satterfield just talked about him today, talking about him lining up at running back, fullback, tight end, and wide receiver. It's a positionless offense. 
So I it's so it's so difficult to read what he's getting. I think he'll have a big part of the offense. I just don't know where. Tyler, what kind of production do you expect to see out of the tight end room? I think they're gonna be really good. I think there's there a lot of production gonna come out of this room, uh, regardless if Eric Gilbert is eligible to play. Um, I think he obviously enhances that room and adds some quality depth there. Uh, but with just Nate Borichter, who had four starts last year in Lincoln, and Thomas Fedoni, who we all know the pedigree, one of the top two tight ends, maybe the best tight end out of his class. This is the first spring. He's made it through healthy, knock on wood. But all signs point to him being all good to go this fall. Like I visualize a really good offense here uh, going through the tight ends. Like I guess a really good tight end room. And so, yeah, I, I really I'm excited for that. It's a position that I, I mentioned earlier. The quarterback's kind of on a downward trajectory. I think the tight end room I'm kind of feeling a little bit better about as the season approaches, mainly because Fedoni appears to be made it through the spring healthy, which has been a big hurdle for him. So. Can that room get 600 yards receiving? That's a lot. Yeah. Big potential yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I think it's possible. If, if Eric Gilbert gets his waiver, then yes, I think they can. Yeah. And, and then it gets a little bit. If, if he doesn't, probably not. And do, what I, do don't you see Fidoni get, I don't see Fedoni getting 500 yards. And, and Borkertcher, he's... Going to be more of a blocking tight end. I don't don't think they're going to throw the ball a lot to him. I I would say the over on 600 yards. If the line was set at 600 yards, I would say over. So you think it's going to be highly productive? You think it's going to be a highly productive room? Yeah, I I really do. I think uh, that's going to be a big-time target for Jeff Sims in this offense. I think he's going to be thrown to the tight end quite a bit. And especially here's why. Because we're going to talk about the wide receiver room right now. Deja vu. The tight ends are going to be a big role in this offense. I just I feel like I've heard this before. Yeah, we've heard it before. But they are going to have to be because we're going to talk about the wide receiver room. Uh, we've Every single week we talk about the wide receiver room because it's always being brought up from the coaches where a player is banged up uh, or a, a player quits. <laughs> So there's always, uh, it's always in the conversation. So uh, getting all that together, Tyler, what, who are your starting three wide receivers? Okay. So I I think right now going into game one, I think it's going to be Billy Kemp, IGC and Alex Bowling. I do fully expect Marcus Washington to start. Uh, Marcus Washington had a good year last year with 471 yards. Um, I do think he has the capability of pushing for that number one wide receiver spot. He is just now returning to practice. I do wonder how much of a trajectory it is. I mean, it wouldn't shock me to see him not start until the Michigan game. Um, I could see a little bit slow projection. Maybe you can see him uh, in the, you know, Northern Illinois time. Maybe he gets in back in there. But I, I think that... You'll see some snaps from him. Uh, you'll see him put in there, but I think it's going to be limited. Uh, once he's healthy, I do expect him to probably take either Bullock or IGC spot, probably Bullock. And then the wild card in that room is going to be Malachi Coleman. And it wouldn't shock me to see at the end of the year, Coleman, Washington, and Kemp as kind of that starting wide receiver room. Derek? I, I don't, I, I guess I'm, I, I'm blown away that you don't think 
Marcus Washington's going to start until game five. Seems a long time. I, 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 it seems like they've been pretty safe with him. I don't know. He's banged up. I mean, he wasn't that injured. It wasn't like he had a bad knee injury or anything. He was just banged up. I, I don't see him starting in game one because he hasn't practiced all fall yet. Uh, but I, I think by Northern Illinois, at least, I, maybe he misses, maybe he doesn't play a ton in Minnesota and Colorado. But I could even see him starting in Colorado. Like, I mean, it, it's all dependent, right? Like, I mean, what? How active has he been? Uh, what? Because we know the hand. That's what we know. We know the arm has been injured. He well, broke the, his the wrist. The hand was hand. healed a while back. Then he got banged up with a high ankle sprain, I believe. High, yeah. So, I whatever it was, it was a leg injury. I know. I, I didn't know it was high ankle sprain, but uh, I don't know. If he's healthy, I think he's playing. And I think he's playing a lot, probably starting. Yeah, I haven't penciled in at starter for game one. Uh, the Alex Bullock is very interesting because today you heard Matt Rule talk about how Casey Thompson had told him that uh, Alex Bullock runs the best routes out of all the wide receivers. So that is, that's pretty fascinating. That, that, it's interesting. And I, and I do expect wholeheartedly for Alex Bullock to get a lot of playing time. And it would not shock me if he's not a great wide receiver. I mean, his brother, John Bullock, is going to be a stud at linebacker, it sounds like. I, we'll get to that here in a little bit. But uh, So so I, why is, can't his brother be just as good at wide receiver? I, it makes total sense. Like, so I, I, it would not shock me one bit if Alex Bullock is, not, is a starter. Uh, I, I don't know if he'll be a starter for the, a lot of the season, but I do expect him to get a ton of playing time. Uh, Ty Hahn was out speaking, so was he going to get some playing time? Yeah, I expect him to see the I field. kind of expect him to, too, but I, I think he's far less. So so let me ask you that real quick. You brought, And maybe you're going to keep going, but how many wide receivers in a normal game do you see t- t- playing snaps? I mean, I'm not talking about three to five, that kind of just barely on the field, but like a normal game, no blowout, how many wide receivers are playing? In the meaningful rotation? Meaningful rotation. Oh, I could see. I got probably. I don't. I don't know. By the end of the season, I see it being a lot more. To start the season, I don't see too many getting out there. But I think Malachi Coleman's definitely going to see the field. I think Jalen Lloyd's definitely going to see the field throughout the year. Uh, Jaden Doss, I think, has a good chance of seeing the field this year. Joshua Fleeks, I. I know everybody's kind of wrote him off, but I, I just can't see him not having any role. So. Go ahead, Justin. I think it's going to be six. You'll see six against Minnesota. I I think it's going to be about five. And, and I know you named a bunch of guys, Derek, and maybe injuries will change and maybe guys will struggle and they get out. But, like, all those guys you mentioned, like, I just – I'm not high enough that I think it's worth taking out some of the guys in front of them. And, and Billy Kemp's a guy I've been kind of critical of at different points, but I do think he is going into the season as our best wide receiver – um, you know, I do worry about his career a little bit. He is five foot nine and runs a four five forty, so he's not gonna blow the top off the field. But I mean, you, you but, but can, so uh, can, I, I guess it goes down to this. So Jeff Sims has averaged twenty five throws a game in his career. Does he average more or less than that? Because if he's averaging more than that, we're gonna have to have a lot of these wide receivers play. Well. 
I would differ with you there. I, I don't see us going down the field a lot. So I don't think you need to rotate wide receivers that much if the pace of play is not super fast and you're not running a lot of deep routes. I think you can keep kind of a core group of guys in the game. Sounded like Matt Rule just talked about wanting to be able to throw down the field. He was wanting wanting those big explosive plays. Well, he wants to run the ball, and he wants to do a lot of things. I don't think he could do all the things that he's wanting to do. I'm sure he wants to score. But he says he doesn't want to go fast. He He does not want to go fast. Yeah, I, I just, I just, maybe it does get up to six. Maybe it does, and I think there's a plethora of guys that come into that tie haunt. Derek, you kind of hit all those guys. I think every guy you mentioned, I think, will see snaps this fall. I think they're going to get some games. I just, I think it's mostly going to be if an injury occurs, and that's what really kind of shakes up the room a little bit. Because I think heading into the year, I think we've got our five man rotation. I think it's Coleman, Washington, Bullock, IGC, and Kemp. And I think injury- and I think I think it starts out like that for probably the first two games. And I think by game three, when we start playing Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech, you're going to start seeing a little more rotation see, and see how they do. Now, if they don't succeed, then yeah, you're probably not going to see them much more in the year. But if they succeed, they're, they're, of course you're going to keep them in the rotation. All right, let's keep this thing rolling along and let's talk about offensive line. Tyler, your thoughts on offensive line? Well, I mean, we've kind of alluded to this leading up to this. I am, I think this is going to be our best offensive line we've seen in the last few years. A lot of that has to do with the experience. Um, this is who I have projected to start to start the year. Uh, Bryce Benhart, Nuelli, Scott, Piper, Corcoran. I think that's going to be the starting five. And let me just talk about the starts. Benhart has 29 starts. Nuelli has 14. Scott has 28. Piper, 18. Corcoran, 24. So, Four of the guys have basically started two full seasons. And Noelle probably would have started if he'd not been out. So there's a lot of experience on this offensive line. And that's not even talking about guys like Teddy Prosca, who I do think will get back healthy at some point. And whether he comes in for relief if one of the tackles are struggling or just relieves them at some points during the game. I, I do think he'll get some snaps as the season progresses. I, I mean... There, there, there's a lot of things to like about this room uh, heading into the year. I think it's deeper than we've seen in the past. I think the, obviously the on the field experience. I mean, how many years have we sat here and said, man, they're just so young, but they're not anymore. I mean, these guys have two years of experience between them. Uh, we're not a young offensive line and Rayleigh's got his second year. I think there's a, there's a lot of upside on this offensive line. So, I mean, I am not bullish thinking this is going to be the best offensive line in the Big Ten, but I think it is going to surprise people about how good it is. Derek? I don't know if I see him getting that much better. Uh, I think Prohaska, while he won't be a starter for the game one, probably not for a little bit. I think by the end of the year, I think Prohaska is probably a starter again. Who's he, who, who does he beat out there? Probably Corcoran and move Corcoran back inside. And replace who? Probably Piper. Really? Yeah, okay. I just, I know, I don't know. I just, I've seen Piper play. I just, I can't see. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on Piper, but he struggled at times, and I just, I don't, I just still worry about him. So, does your? I can see Henry Latovsky getting a lot of some playing time too. Yeah, I mean, they have. They've a, had nothing but great things to say about him. They easily have seven guys that can that can start. Or play. I mean, seven guys that even the fans feel more than comfortable with getting that start. Uh, this is probably the deepest offensive line we've had 
at all. I, I agree with Tyler time. on the starting line for game one. Yeah. And I, th- I think it'll get played with throughout the year, though. And they'll see what works best. All right, let's flip it over to the defensive line. Uh, we kind of know who's going to be starting there between Ty Robinson, uh, Hotmacher, and Blaze Gunnerson. But there's some young guys that are trying to get into the mix here, including Cam Lenhart, who on three uh, put out today that he is a preseason freshman All-American. Uh, so he's on that list right now, which is a very good sign for Nebraska fans, especially when you're looking at this uh, defensive line. Tyler, your thoughts here? Well, I mean, this this line is uh, it, it's going to be a little bit interesting this year. There's not a strength of this defense, probably the weakness of this defense. Uh, this line is anchored by Ty Robinson. Um I mean, he he has plethora of experience in Nebraska, and last year he had 24 tackles in a pair of sacks. So he definitely has shown production. Um, where, where this defensive line starts to get a little bit better, in my opinion, is when you start talking about that depth. Um, you talk about Cameron. I think he's going to play a, a role. I think Principal will see a role. Elijah Judy, I think we'll have it. You have A.J. Rollins and Buckley. So there, there's a lot of depth in this. I think, Justin, you've talked about this numerous times over the years of the podcast. I'm not sure if it's all great depth, but I think that it can be enough bodies to make up for maybe not a great uh, production. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think we will rotate quite a bit up front to just keep the fresh bodies out there. Um, and hopefully the, the freshness and the evolution of these two freshmen who will be really good over time will really kind of help this defensive line build out. Derek, do you like this defensive line? I actually do. I, 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 I'm probably a little higher on it than anybody else, but it's because of the depth. I mean, I, I understand it's some of it's new, a lot of it's new. But, Tyler, you talked about Elijah Judy. He was a big recruit that transferred in. I expect him to play. Prince will. I expect him to play a lot. Uh, Cam Lenhart, I mean, they've already alluded to the fact that he's going to play a lot. Uh, Raquan, Raquan Buckley, I've talked about him quite a few times now. I expect to see him. Uh, and you got Kai Wallen, who I think could, could have a possibility of playing some sometime. I got eight guys I think can come in and play. And that's what Matt Rule wants. Uh, eventually. He says there's six guys right now, and but he wants to get to eight. If Kai Wallen, if he can uh, get in there, I mean, yeah, it, it's an okay, it's an okay group. It's certainly not bad, right? I mean, you go in this. I'm not. I'm not saying this is a bad line. I mean, this is where we we, we went from the offense. There's offense, in my opinion. There's a lot of question marks. I mean, I think we've hit them. Quarterbacks a question mark. Wide receiver is not even a question mark. It's just a weakness, in my opinion. Um, tight end is probably a little bit in the question mark territory. I mean, defensive line is the biggest question mark. Derek, I know you're higher on them, but you have to admit that's the the biggest question mark on this defense is that line. Well, of course it is. I mean, everything everywhere else is just stacked with talent coming back. I mean, so so, so of course it is because we don't, we haven't seen a lot of these guys play. So I got a question um, for either one of you. So Ty Robinson. So, I mean, I think we've all been really high on him throughout his career. He's obviously, I think, I mean, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but we all would probably agree. We like to argue a lot, but I think we're all going to agree. He's our best returning defensive line. Right. Yeah. How, How good is he? Like, is he, I mean, I know we're going to do this at the end of the podcast, but all conference, but uh, I guess I'll tip my hand. He did not make my list for all conference. Do either of you guys see him being that kind of player? No. No. I think I think the whole defensive line unit is, when I say okay, they're very okay. It's like they're very average. So, very average. So do you, th- with all the rotation, do you think, Ty Robinson will be a staple, or is he included in that? Is he a guy that's going to rotate with the rest of them? No, I think he's he's a notch above everybody else. I think he is the star of the defensive line. I'll put it that way. He is the he's the anchor uh, on that defensive line unit. He'll he'll rotate. He'll rotate left. Sure, probably. sure. But he is he is our defensive line guy. I mean, he's. So I guess where I'm at, I think our offensive line's better than our defensive line, and <laughs> and, well, and and I think a lot of it has to do with I agree with everything you say. I think Ty Robinson is the best guy, and I think that kind of like when I started putting that in perspective, I'm like, yeah, I mean, it, it, how is he a star? Is he ever going to take that leap? And we'll see what pork chop gots with him, but. I mean, night and I, I just am not, I just am not sure we're going to see this jump from him where I would have thought maybe, you know, 2021, 2022, we were going to see this guy be a future all conference first team, first round draft pick. I, I just don't know if he'll ever turn into that. So I don't know. The, the only thing I can say is if you think the offensive line is better than defensive line, I don't believe that to be true. Uh, it doesn't sound like the coaches or Matt Rule is saying, anything of that they're, they're they're not pointing to that but you know we're hearing that the defensive line or the defense is owning the offense for the most part through all the scrimmages and i think that all starts up front truthfully i think that's i think this defensive line even though they are average is i get the impression that they are owning the offensive line today i don't know I, I, that would be a little bit surprising. Well, I, guess, I guess it's to what, what you want to take. I mean, how, how much everything Rule says do you want to take seriously? Because he also came out and said it was the best pass protection we've had. Yeah. So which tells me that the offensive line's doing better. Yeah. Improve. Yeah, improving. I mean, that would tell me that they're probably owning the defensive line a little bit. I, and Derek, Justin, to answer your question, why I think the defense is getting the best is, unfortunately, because I... I don't see a lot of passing game. I think we are a one-dimensional offense in some regards. And when you're not running the quarterback a ton, uh, like and it probably in scrimmages, they're not running the quarterback 10 to 12 times. I think that's going to play a little bit in the favor of the defense uh, in that regard. Well, let's move on to a, a better unit on defense, and that's the linebacking core. Derek, how excited are you about this linebacking core? I'm stoked for this linebacking core. I, I, this is. I mean, I, if the secondary wasn't so damn deep, I would say this is probably the strength of the team. The secondary is still a little bit too too deep, but man, I, I, you got Reimer, Henrik, and MJ Sherman. Sound like they're probably going to start. John Bullock's going to have a huge role in this, and it sounds like he's doing phenomenal things. Uh, I, I expect full, full heartedly for Jamari Butler and Chief Borders to get some time playing. Uh, 
It's deep. Like, yeah, this feels like the deepest we've been at linebacker in quite a few years. Uh, before I go to Tatter, if you had to guess this, the starting three, who are they? I, I believe I just said that. Did you? I, I, I'm I sorry. Think it's, yeah, I think it's Reimer, Henrik, and uh, MJ Sherman. Okay, I'm sorry, I missed that. Tyler? Yeah, I, I got, think it's kind of even been alluded to that. I, but. Yeah, I think it's those three. I think those are the three guys. But I think when you talk about this linebacker, it really starts and ends with Luke Reimer. Um, so Luke Reimer right now sits 15th all-time in tackles at Nebraska. So this is a guy who I think will leave his tenure at Nebraska, God forbid, an injury, really hitting that top eight to five tackles all the time, which is remarkable for a kid who was a walk-on. I think that people forget where he started his career in Lincoln, and he has just been a bright spot every single year on the field. Um, you know, that last year, our linebackers took a little bit of hit with him missing a couple games and Henrik missing seven games. Both are back healthy with the addition of MJ Sherman, and you just got to love what you're hearing out of John Bullock. I mean, I think you're really going into the fall feeling like, you know, we're going to talk about secondary, and that is, I think, the unanimous best position group on this team. But I think this is also the unanimous second best position group on the team. I mean, the the linebackers. The, the, the only thing that can make this position group better is if Ernest Hausman was still here. Yeah, but even if he was still here, like, what would he? I mean, would he start? I'm not convinced he would start if he was here. I, I don't know if he would. I, I it's it's tough. I don't know. He'd fight for it. He'd definitely get snaps. I have no doubt about he'd take a lot of snaps. But would he start? I mean, I don't know. What would I mean? It's try who, Justin. You kind of made a face. Who do you take out of that starting lineup? Well, I mean, I if let's say Houseman came back, I mean, would we be hitting the transfer portal for linebackers as hard as we did? But I mean, is he MJ Sherman? With but those Chief are different. Borders? But those are different guys, Justin. Those, those are pass rushers. Hausman was oh, not a pass rusher. If you can get MJ Sherman, you're taking him no matter what. Yeah. I, yeah, I, Chief I don't... Borders, I, maybe not, but... Yeah, I, I mean... They're different. They're different guys. So I have Reimer, Bullock, and MJ Sherman starting game one. Wait, say that again? Reimer, Bullock, and MJ Sherman starting game one. So no Henrik. Is that an injury thing, or do you think Bullock has just superseded him in talent? And I'm thinking Bullock has uh, surpassed him. Everything that comes out of the coaches, the way that they're elevating him, he's on scholarship now. He's got a single digit himself. I mean, this dude came out of nowhere. I think there's a reason, and I mean, we're Hendricks got it. a single digit too. I know, I know, but I think there's a reason. I think we're going to see it against Minnesota. Yeah, I'm not. Buying I, that. I think you're crazy. Yeah, man, I'm but. not buying that one. Stop me when you've heard this before, Zach Winemaster. Drink, yeah, drink. <laughs> All right, let's well, uh, we'll move on to packages. Shit, too. Do what? What's I that, didn't Derek? say it. So we just won't ask our packages. Shit. Too. Oh shit! Drink. All right, defensive backs. This is this is a great one. Uh, very good group here. A lot of experience coming back. Tyler, your thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I'm going to leave a name off of this list, but I just want to go through some of the guys' names you have in a little bit of last year. But Isaac Gifford was third in the team in ta- uh, tackles. 
Quentin Newsom was had 10 pass breakups. Tommy Hill, four pass breakups. Malcolm Hartzog led the team in interceptions. And oh, by it, we have not mentioned uh, Singleton, uh, uh, Buford, Sanford, uh, Omar uh, Brown. All those guys, Ethan Nation, all those guys are playing for playing time. Like, we are in a position where we have more talent than we have snaps available for this room. It is deep. It, someone's going to get left off, and it's not because they're not talented. I mean, it is truly the best position in the room. I, I think as I, I think about this room more, I think this could be a top three secondary in the Big Ten. I, I really do, and I, I know some people that are maybe a little bit more skeptical on Nebraska. We have other fans of podcasts will listen. They'll say, I'm overhyping it. But I really do. I think that Quentin Newsom and Malcolm Hardsog, that duo at corner, uh, I, I put that up with any duo in the Big Ten. It may not be the best, but it's right there with them. Okay. Derek? I mean, it's hard to argue, but I, you got Tommy Hill coming on strong. They've had nothing but great things to say about him. Uh Phelan Sanford just got announced that he's got a scholarship. So, I mean, when they get a scholarship like that, you have to assume there's going to be some playing time for him. Uh, Timon Lynham is another name that I've heard brought up. He's played, he's had, he's got some experience. I wouldn't be shocked to see him in some kind of rotation, but Tyler, you're right. There's just, there's more guys than there is snaps. At least you hope. I'm hoping I don't have to re- Re, uh, rotate these guys that much because we have, the other team's having that many snaps. But uh, I, I expect to see Ethan Nation play with the, with the uh, way they've talked about him. I expect to see Eric Fields play a little bit the way they've talked about him in that rover spot. I, I but yeah, I mean, as far as starters, I'm, I'm sitting here sitting here going, well, okay, I got Malcolm Hartzog, Quentin Newsom guaranteed to start. Isaac Gifford, I think, is guaranteed to start. Agreed. Then you got two more guys, and I'm I'm gonna pencil in Deshaun Singleton to start and Tommy Hill to start. That safety? Yeah. I, I think that's a good list, Derek. I, I have the exact same list as you. The the only kind of spot that I was back and forth on was the Singleton or Collier. I think that was the 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 back and forth I had about who was gonna get that last safety spot to start. Um I don't even have Collier in my, I, in I don't my either. rotational guys. Like yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's he will start. Uh, but Deshaun Singleton, the way that Matt ruled, the way that he was talking, he on Sports Nightly, he was glowing about him, and so I'm almost for sure that he will start at safety come game one against Minnesota. Who else? So that is the second safety is where I struggled here. Uh, I don't know. Can Tommy Hill? It, is he a safety? Can he play safety? I have Omar ba- Omar Brown penciled in there right now, but I but I could be swayed either which way. I mean, we need Buford, we need him back, we need Collier to step up and get into the uh, fix whatever he has going on. There's a lot of dudes out of that room. Uh, uh, Derek, you were talking about Ethan Nation, yeah. I mean, th- there's. There's a lot of good young people, and I think we're going to be golden for years to come with, you know, add guys like Dwight Boodle in there and uh, Eric Fields. But right now, yeah, Omar Brown I have as the second safety. Is that crazy? I mean, he's he's been there, what, he's been there for a while. He's 
I, 23, 24 years old by now. You, you know, I that's not crazy. I, I, I actually kind of pencil Omar Brown in at corner. Um, that's what he played before he got to Nebraska. Um, that's what makes it so difficult. Is the, the, this staff's even worse than the last staff about trying to tell you who plays where because that defensive back room, they just do not want to tell you anything about where anybody's playing. No. They have to ask players where they're practicing yeah. in order to get any kind of idea. Yeah, it, and they and I, I know when they asked Malcolm Hartzog the day he he talked, he was playing safety that day. But you know what? Even though we don't know exactly who is going to be the starters, we know Rover and the cornerbacks. Th- those are easy, right? Safeties are more difficult. But I'm not worried at all at that position. Out of everybody that we have in the defensive backfield, I mean. I feel like we are still in great shape and yeah. it's the strength of our defense or strength of our team. Really? Yeah. All right. So let's uh, move this along here. So let's uh, do some rapid fire things real quick here. Uh, let me write this down. Derek, most receptions. Uh, Billy Kemp. Tyler, most receptions. Billy Kemp. I have the same at Kemp. Uh, most receiving yards, Derek. Uh, I'm gonna go Marcus Washington. I think he's a little bit more of a big play guy. Tyler, I'm gonna go Billy Kemp. I think Washington is not a bad pick. I think he starts to close the gap, but just where I think he starts the year, I just don't know if he quite catches up to him. I yeah, I'm taking Kemp barely. Uh, yes or no? Does Nebra- will Nebraska have a thousand yard rusher this year, Derek? All right. So I'm gonna renege a little bit on what I said on the Gen Red podcast because I said no, but I, I, I do think we're going to. I, I, I like Gabe Irvin. I I think he's going to be a little more prominent than what I thought two days ago after listening to what the staff talk about him and talk and talk about uh, Anthony Grant getting with his fumble issues. So I'm going to say, yeah, I think Gabe Irvin gets over 1,000. Tanner, 1,000-yard rusher, yes or no? I'm also going to backtrack on what I said on the Gen Red podcast, and I'm going to now say no. Uh, I think that uh, Gabe Irvin isn't going to get 1,000. I think, and I already kind of expressed, I think Anthony Grant really kind of overtakes that job as the season goes on. Uh, but I think that the start of the year kind of prohibits him from getting over 1,000. I say yes. Uh, sack leader, Derek. I'll say MJ Sherman. Okay, Tyler. Good pick, MJ, MJ Sherman. Yep, that uh, makes it all three of us. Most interceptions, Derek. Malcolm Hartzog. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go Malcolm Hartzog as well. Jeez. We don't like to argue that much on this. What is going on here? I didn't think that we would see eye to eye this much. All right, so let's uh, get into offensive MVP. Let's see if we differ here. Derek. I'm going to go Gabe Irvin. I, I think he's got a huge season. Yep, this is where we are differ. I'm going to go Anthony Grant. I think he overtakes it, and he becomes the guy. I think late in the season when we start beating teams, I think Anthony Grant's going to be a big part of that. And, so we finally differ, and I think it's going to be Jeff Sims. Jeff Sims will be the offensive MVP. He's going to do it through the air, and he's damn sure is really going to get it there uh, through with his legs. So... He will be the reason we succeed. Defensive MVP, Derek. You got to go Luke Reimer, right? Do you? I, I don't think, know. 
Tyler? I, not a bad pick. Um, not a bad pick at all, but I'm going to go Malcolm Hartzog. Um, I I think that this is a breakout year for him. You saw a lot of glimpses last year. I, I'm really pumped for what he's going to do this year. And I'm rolling with MJ Sherman. I think he's going to put up some stellar numbers, uh, sacks, tackles for loss. He's going to make his presence known on that defense. All right, so uh, final superlative for the team here. Uh, who are your all-conference nominees at the end of the season, Tyler? Yeah, so I got five names down. I think that will be on, uh, not honorable mention, but actually make a proper team. Okay. Uh, Quentin Newsom, Malcolm Hartzog, Luke Reimers, Bryce Benhart, and MJ Sherman. Wow, okay. Derek? I Mine's not too far off of what Tyler's is. Uh, I went with uh, Nick Henrich, Luke Reimer, Malcolm Hartzog, Quentin Newsom. And offensively, I, I don't I, I don't know if we see anybody, but if we do, I think it'll be Gabe Irvin. All right, so I have Ben Scott. I have Kemp, which I don't know. I, I may be reaching for that one. I also have Reimer. I have MJ Sherman. I have Quentin Newsom, And I also have Brian Buscini. I think he will get an all-conference punter, so. That's a good pick. I, I really wasn't going into special teams thinking about that. But Ben Hart at all-conference, huh, Tyler? I mean, if you are going to buy that Matt Rule knows talent, if you're going to buy that he knows offensive linemen, like it's not pedigree that's held back Bryce Benhart. Bryce Benhart was a high four-star kid coming out of high school. He's got the experience now. The coaches like what they see. He seems to be leaned up a little bit. I think at the right tackle spot, that really fits his mold better than left tackle ever did. I think we saw a little bit of that come out last year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll be first team, but I think that he's a guy that can definitely take a spot. All right, so the ceiling floor for uh, for wins this year. Uh, first of all, Tyler, what is your ceiling and floor for the 2023 Huskers team? So ceiling was probably a little bit tougher for me. I kind of went between two, but I'm going to go with 10 and two. Uh, I, I, I think there's a chance. I think nine and three was kind of my back and forth. Um, and then I, I hope to give an explanation on that in a second, but my floor is four and eight. Okay. That's a wide range there, Tyler. Wide range. All right, Derek, your ceiling floor. All right. Well, I guess I'm not near as optimistic as Tyler. Uh, <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, I, I think the ceiling's probably seven and five. And the floor could be like three and nine. Holy smokes. Uh, okay, so I'm going to give mine here. but uh, So my ceiling is eight and four, and the floor is five and seven. I don't see us losing more than five games given the schedule. Derek, I got to come back to you. Three wins as the floor. Why? Well, because I don't know what this offense is going to do. And if if Gabe Irvin isn't as good as I think he is, and Jeff Sims is not as good as what you think he's going to be, I don't know what we have. I don't, I don't know what we're going to be able to do. And as good as the defense could be, we've seen them struggle. And if they're on the field a lot, there's a good chance they could struggle. I 
I could see a scenario where we struggle to keep up with Colorado. I think their offense is going to be really good. Their defense, not so much. But if our offense is struggling, I, I don't think we can get into a shootout with Colorado. So, Tyler, what is your biggest factor that would drive us to hit your four of four and eight? Well, starting negative, huh? Um, well, yeah, we've got to finish on a high note. Okay, okay. So, I mean, I, I think it's kind of what Derek said. I mean, we've seen the Matt Rule playbook. He's done it twice. He starts off slow when he gets to a program and turns it around. Um, I think the question marks at the passing game really could struggle. As good as I think this defense is, you know, if we get down, are we going to have difficulty coming back? Um, you look at a couple games uh, um, on the schedule that I kind of have as wins, but could go the other way with, you know, Colorado and Maryland. Both those teams do have high power offenses projectedly. And so if they put up enough points, does our offense have the firepower to come back? Um, so I, I think that's kind of where it is. And then I guess the last thing is, while I am optimistic on this offensive line, I mean, it does, it is Big Ten football. It does come down to the trenches. Like, where do we actually stack up in 2023? I mean, that that is a bit of a question mark right now. And we and, and defensively, we've struggled to create turnovers. Yeah. So I don't know that that's going to change suddenly. I hope it does. Uh, you talked about the O-line. What if, what if it doesn't improve? The wide receiver room, we're already scared that it's not going to be good. So <laughs> what if it's really not good? The tight ends, what if they don't live up to their potential? I mean, that's a lot of what-ifs going on into one thing. I mean... Sure it is. Sure it is. But so if you have that what, recipe, what us, sure. I mean, what that could cause be... us to hit the floor? I mean, it, it could be our offense just not being good. Yeah. And I don't think this is a 2009-2010 defense where they're just going to keep us in games. I think they'll be better than last year. But I don't. I don't think the defense is going to carry the team. So I didn't overthink it as much as you did, Derek. I mean, my reason of going five and seven is there would be two reasons why we would really hit five and seven. One would be Jeff Sims got hurt. That would be terrible. And the other one is the offensive line isn't as good as what we thought. If it never improved from last year. Those are the only two reasons. I don't see us losing more than or uh, winning fewer than five games, even if both of those things happened. But on the plus side, Tyler, if, if Jeff Sims if Jeff Sims gets hurt, I don't know. He better win us at least three before he goes out. So Tyler, you have ten and two as your ceiling. What what factors uh, are you pointing to that makes you think that we can hit ten and two? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm going to go to the schedule here. I think that is the, the piece that is. So on paper, we have more talent than every team than Michigan on the schedule based off recruiting rankings. So in theory, we should match up well. So I think that if you look at the way this season starts, Minnesota is going to be a tough game. We're going to give projections away. I don't know if we'll win that game, but it would not shock me if we do. You get that catalyst, I think you could definitely start off the season 4-0. and um, A primetime Friday night game against Illinois. We talked about them in depth. I think Illinois is heckle and jide, just like Nebraska. I think it could go who? either. Heckle, heckle and who? Heckle and jide. You mean Jekyll and Hyde? That's what I said. 
This segment is brought to you by TJ's Butcher House. Okay. I think they could go either way. Um, I, I They could be good this year. I think they're going to be good, but it wouldn't shock me to see them majorly fall off. You get Northwestern, Purdue. Both of those, I think, are wins. I think we all are unanimous on that. Michigan State, Maryland, interesting games. So, I, I mean, I think you get Iowa at the home at the end of the year. I, I just I think the way the schedule goes, there's a lot of winnable games on this schedule. All right, which one of you is Heckle and which one is Jide over here? That's what I want to know. <laughs> All right, Derek, you're Jide. Reasons that you hit your uh, ceiling. All right, so to me, I think the only way that this works is if, if we run the ball effectively. I They talk about wanting to run the ball. Can we run the ball effectively? Uh, can we put pressure on a quarterback on the defense? Because that's going to take a lot. It's going to be a big thing because that's not something we've done well for I don't know how many years. And maybe and, and Sims is going to have to be better than what I'm picturing him to be. So, Derek, i got to challenge you on this. So, I feel like a month ago we, we talked about this. So, you think four, we, the, the, there's four games on this schedule that are unwinnable. We have no chance to win. That's the best case scenario. No, I don't. I don't. Five you, you games because he I says seven, seven and five. five. So five games. There's five games on this schedule that are unwinnable. I'm not saying they're unwinnable. I just don't think we're going to win them. You think there's n- almost no chance we're going to get? I mean, I'm 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 not going to. A ceiling means nothing can go higher. So you, I mean, you're you're kind of capped there. So you are saying that there's five games that are basically unwinnable. I think the first two games on the road are very difficult. I think it's going to be a good chance we start off 0-2. I, I just... On the road? I'm not like saying... How, how, many, how many new coaches come in and have their first two games on the road? Oh, it's, it's, it's very daunting. But it's unheard of. So it, I, I say that there's a better chance that we start 2-0 than 0-2. I mean, it, it's I probably I, that's a better take. that we split one and one. That's, but if you're going to go I, two I think and we'd oh, probably split one and one. But and I think there's a better chance going two and oh than two. Oh and two. I I'd probably say oh. I, I think we have a better chance of going oh and two than two and. Yeah, I probably would agree with Derek there. Um, but it, it certainly wouldn't shock me. I mean, if if I'm doing probabilities here, like if I'm doing a pie, I think one and one is like eighty percent probability. I mean, it, it gets really dicey. Maybe twelve percent, zero and two, eight percent. It's it's at the, at the end of the at the end of the season. I, I think we'll probably have won a game or two that we shouldn't have won, and I think that we will lose a game or two that we probably shouldn't have lost. So, what game do you think we shouldn't have lost that kind of scares you the most right now? Colorado. I just think we match up so well with Colorado. I think I don't. I, I don't think we match up well with them at all. They're set. They're they're. Strength is their passing attack. I think our secondary is our strength. I think their weakness is going to be able to stop the run. That's yeah, our if strength. We can't get pre- if we can't get pressure on that quarterback, those defensive backs are only going to be able to cover those wide receivers for so long. And they're fast wide receivers. And they're good wide receivers. Yeah, I don't worry about it that much. I mean, I think eight and four uh, is the... The ceiling, and you know, if Jeff Sims, if he stays healthy, uh, I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if we went eight and four. I just, I in year one, I just don't see him doing. If you want to be shocked, then your ceiling should be eight and four. <laughs> I mean, I, 
We're talking them into right, it. We're fine. talking them into then it. Fine, my fucking ceiling's eight and four. Though. Yeah. Yay. Thank you. Thank so, you. Justin, you think four games? I want to know what four games you think are basically unwinnable. But I'm willing to bet that you're not, yeah, at least two games away from that eight and four on your predictions. So, uh, at least. Well, let's, let's get let's if get not, in, if not let's, three let's get, away from. Yeah, it. let's just get into the predictions. I mean, we're kind of going long here. All right. Yeah. So ultimately, my. Season prediction for Nebraska is uh, six and six. I think we get to a bowl game this year. I think we stay. So you're much closer to your floor than you are your ceiling. Yeah. Okay. I am. But yeah, I think uh, six and six is a good year. Uh, if, if if everything bounces right for this team, maybe we can get to eight wins. I'd love to see eight and wins, but. Right now, as the schedule shakes out, I have six. Six and six. Which is good. It's a bowl game. So Derek, what about you? That's where I have us. I have us at six and six. Okay. I don't think we're near close to our floor, right? but I, but the floor wouldn't shock me any. I mean, there's definitely a scenario where it goes bad, Derek. I, I do not disagree with you um, at all. So, But I, I'm going to go my record seven to five. I think the recipe for Nebraska this year is something that we have not had the opportunity to talk about uh, in quite a while, and it's protecting our house. I think we have a very good home record this year. Uh, we do lose some games on the road, but especially in conference play, but I think we do a really good job of protecting Lincoln. And when you got eight games in Lincoln, I think we can go 7-1 and one in those games. All right, so now that we have Nebraska's record established, we can give off our Big Ten West predictions. We can give the results of those predictions. So, Tyler, how do you see the Big Ten West standings uh, panning yeah. out at the end of the year? So, um, I had Iowa number one. I think they're going to unfortunately win the West. Um, I do think Nebraska beats them to end the year. So, suck it, Hawkeyes. Um, I got number two, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, they could go falter, but I do think they have enough talent to be number two. Number three, I got Illinois. Number four, Nebraska. Number five, Minnesota. Number six, Purdue. And rounding out the Big Ten West is Northwestern. Derek? I guess I'm not too far off of Tyler. I'm a little different, though. I got I got Iowa winning it. I, I Their defense is just going to be too stout, I think. Uh, but I do have Nebraska beating them at the end of the season. So that's one of those games I think we'll win that we probably shouldn't. But. It'll be it'll be worth it to make it the bowl game. Uh, I got Illinois number two. I got Wisconsin number three. I have Minnesota number four, Nebraska five, Purdue six, and and Northwestern seven. All right, I have Wisconsin at number one, along with uh, Iowa, the same conference record, seven and two. But Wisconsin has the tiebreaker, so both those teams seven and two. I have Minnesota coming in at number three, Illinois four, Nebraska five, Purdue six, and Northwestern winless at seven. I will say this. I do have Wisconsin and Illinois both going six and three, but I have Illinois winning. I think think the uh, Big Ten West, I think they're going to be pretty competitive this year. I think it's going to be a. I think there's some good teams out of there. Uh, guys, anything else? 
No? All right. Well, uh, we will be doing our... Uh, due to the short week next week, we will be doing our Minnesota uh, game preview, I guess. Minnesota preview on Saturday. So look for that. Uh, but, yeah. Anything else? Good? Yeah, I, I'll say this. My prediction could change by next week. I may drink a lot of Kool-Aid over the week. I don't know. I doubt it, but you never know. Could drink so, a lot of beer, too. I would say this. I So I think that the one thing that I really wish for the Kool-Aid is, man, I wish we would have seen more of some practices. I think the highlight films, remember Scott Frost? I feel like we saw a lot more highlights than we did this year. I could definitely go for a, watching Jeff Sims complete a 30-yard bomb and or a 10-yard out or something like that. Like, I could go for a little bit of a Kool-Aid in that passing attack right now. I don't know if Matt Rule is interested in winning the offseason. Well, like he's that. unfortunately, he's doing a pretty damn good job. He, he is a hell of an interview, so. Yeah, yeah, he's he's great. So, all right, special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcast. Hit that subscribe button, and please don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening, and as always, go Big Red. Mm-hmm.